Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Curtis, that was a tough one. It was really a tough one. Jimmy Lake hired onto the Rams coaching staff. That news breaking a couple minutes ago. You and Bump out here just being haters of my beloved dogs. You know what? Jimmy Lake was one of the first coaches that visited me in high school to recruit me when he was at Oregon State. Yeah. So I got love for Jimmy. Okay. Oregon State was my first offer. Jimmy had a, a lot to do with that. But uh, you ain't going to be uh, punching grown men no. in the NFL. They will They will whoop that you-know-whats. You, you do have a soft spot for Oregon State, I've realized, yeah. looking back My at cousin it. went to school there. Yeah. You know, Mike Riley. There you go. Uh, we are not talking about uh, the Pac-12 just yet. We will, uh, beginning at 11. In fact, we've got two interviews today where we're going to figure out what the heck happened with Ohio State and Washington. Nigel Burton, Pac-12 Network Analyst, going to join us at 11. Uh, where uh, I, I hope Nigel's heated. I hope he's hot. You know he's heated. I know he's hot. Nigel don't play. I'm excited to talk about this at 11. And then Mike Varell is going to join us at 1230. He's covering this for the Seattle Times, and he's going to tell us what's next for UW. So kind of like an informational step forward there at 1230. We're going to figure out and solve this whole thing today. So uh, props to us. Wow, we're going to figure it out for Washington. Um, First, though, bad news for one Mariner is an opportunity for another. That's what you always say, right? One man's broken hand is another man's path to a starting job. I think I've heard that before. That's a real saying. Yeah, an ancient Chinese proverb. Exactly. Taylor (laughs) Trammell, one of two players competing for the left-hand platoon in left field, was hit by a pitch in a workout before spring training. Feel awful for him. He broke a bone in his right hand. Now, Taylor is going to be okay long-term. In the short term, though, he is not. He's going to be out six to seven weeks having surgery to repair that. Bump, it gives Jared Kelnick an opportunity to take over the role Without competition, Jerry DePoto said Cade Marlowe will be part of the competition a little bit, but let's be real, that's not the same as Taylor Trammell being part of the competition bump. Marlowe's never nah. played above Class AA. Um, so, again, we're going to get to some of what DePoto had to say about it. We're going to talk a little bit um, you know, uh, about both of these players and how they could both benefit uh, over the course of the year, uh, both benefiting from um, the changes to the shift rule. But your immediate reaction to the Taylor Trammell news and what you thought for Jared Kelnick, because I know that he jumped to mind pretty quickly. Um, Taylor Trammell, when I heard he got hurt, I was uh, disappointed because you knew what was going to go down. Him and J.K. were going to compete, man. You're trying. And that's what I think that's what breeds good teams as competition. Every now and then you got guys who are just good to go. Center field, lockdown. Um, first base, I feel like it's locked down. Third is locked down. You know what I'm saying? But in other positions, you want guys to compete. And I heard Tramiel went down, and I was disappointed. And then I shifted my focus to Kelnick, and I wrote in our prep email, mm-hmm. I go, is this going to help him or hurt him? And he's the ty- Is he the type of dude that thrives off of knowing that there's no one really pushing him and but he's good security. to go? Right, yeah, he's secure. <laughs> or is he the type of guy that needs competition? So then I hit up my baseball guy. I got a baseball guy, um, one of the greatest Baseball coaches in Washington State High School history. I'm like, dog, how many player parents do you need to see from JK before you feel like he's done? He goes, man, at least 500. My guys are like 518 or something right oh, now. Wow. So he feels that it might be time to move on from him, but this might give him a second chance of life here with the Mariners. He still thinks that he's going to be a decent pro, just not here. So this is opportunity. Every opportunity I've ever gotten in sports, somebody got hurt. Every opportunity from high school to college to the NFL. Someone got hurt. You seize the moment. You take advantage of the opportunity. 
Let's see if he can do that. I feel bad for Tramel though, because uh, I believe it was Depoto saying mm-hmm. that um, you know he was working on his swings and misses. Had a drive he line. changed. He changed his swing a little bit. He yep. looked good. They were excited, so it sets him back a bit for Tramel. He just has to stay mentally in this thing. Now I can't wait to see Tramel a bit later this season when he's able to get back because I do want to see how that swing looks. Right, you're right, Depoto talking about that. Let's hear what Depoto had to say about Jared Kelnick. We're going to stick on Jared for a minute here. I cannot. Think of how many more opportunities Jared Kelnick is going to get here. Because let me tell you what, everything is falling into line for him. Do you think that if he was with uh, the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Astros or the Phillies uh, or the Mets or teams that are unafraid to spend to fix a problem that he'd still be given this chance? No, he'd be, uh, you know, on his last option right now, which he could be pretty soon. But he'd be on his last option. He'd be uh, out, you know, with another team. He'd be doing whatever because this team would have been like, hey, we can't afford to have a liability there. The Mariners, on the other hand, are not big spenders, but are also people that really want to lean on their young talent. They, at one point, truly, really deeply believed in Jared Kelnick, and I would imagine a lot of that is lingering, despite his struggles. They're like, well, what if? What if he's there? This is what Jerry DePoto had to say two weeks ago. I'm I'm loathe to say last chance, but this is his best chance. You know, and last year, and, and I don't know if we did the best we could do to set Jared up for success a year ago. Where you know there, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of net to catch him if he struggled and and the expectation was all right he's been through his struggle in, in 21 and and this is a new year new Jared will be good and and uh, you know obviously it was a, a struggle for him again. It was a struggle for him again, and I think Jerry DePoto is being kind of critical of the organization. I actually think the organization has given Jared Kelnick a ton of chances. Now, who knows what's going on behind the scenes, Bump? But I'm looking at it right now thinking you have been given this job as the left field uh, or excuse me, the left handed platoon in left field. Mm -hmm. And you don't have anyone truly competing with you or truly pushing you unless you really mess it up. The only thing standing in Jared's way is Jared at this point. It is. It is. And what do you want to see from Jared Kelnick? You want to see consistency. I think yeah. that's what he's been missing. He's teased us a couple times. He hit a couple bombs. You start to believe. And then he has some plate appearances that just don't make sense. Like, what's your approach in this situation? And late in the season and in the playoffs as well, I think he said yeah. he was just trying to hit bombs. You know, instead of just taking what the pitches are giving you, he's trying to go yard. He's trying to hit bombs. He's trying to be the hero. And I feel like that's who he's been his whole career up to this point. This is the most adversity this kid has ever faced. Um so here's an opportunity for you, young man. What are you going to do with this? This game is mentally tough on you. It will beat you down. You will fail consistently. But when you tap in to a groove, when that swing feels good, when you're seeing these pitches, you got to be able to sustain it. But but thankfully, they're still going to platoon over there in that, at that position. Mm-hmm. Now to give him some days off, right? Maybe he's not he's not your everyday type of dude. He needs these days off. Yeah. So where. Like you said, where there's one man's broken hand, there's another man's opportunity. opportunity. Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah, yeah I like that's, that. That's a, just something that many people have said before. David Schoenfield of ESPN says he'd like to be optimistic about Kelnick, and he explains what might help him this year. I'll throw in that it may also help Tramel. <laughs> I'd like to be optimistic. In fact, I just mentioned that Lookout Landing blog. They had a piece on Kelnick the other day that was pointing out some positives in his numbers last year there weren't very many but the primary takeaway when he connected he had a a high rate of what we call barrels and that's one of these advanced metrics of hitting the ball hard and hitting it at the right angle and they kind of went into this and said he hit into a lot of bad luck that getting rid of the shift could help him get a few you know just cheap 
singles up the middle kind of thing that he just hasn't been getting his first two years in the league. Obviously, he's got to cut down on the strikeout. So many things are falling into place for Jared right now, Bump. Because not only do you have Taylor Trammell, who, again, we both feel awful about. We're really excited to see him. And thankfully, you guys, he will get a chance to come back. Just up to seven weeks missing time here after surgery. Not only is Taylor Trammell out of the way, and is there no, like, true competition, unless Cade Marlowe is, like, absolutely phenomenal, you also have the elimination of the shift rolling into effect this year. This is from Brandon Gustafson, friend of the show. He was on with us yesterday. His article on which players, which Mariners players could be impacted by rule changes in 2023 says Taylor Trammell was the 15th highest shift rate. Jared Kelnick was 37th. They were among the most shifted against players in the league in 2022. Neither have found their offensive footing at the big league level, but having a higher chance of success while pulling the baseball or going up the middle could help these to establish themselves in 2023. So not only do you have less competition in the outfield at this role, but you also have an opportunity to find yourself at the plate. I mean, you could not write up a better opportunity for Jared. All you have to do is seize it, right? And I say that like it's easy. I can only imagine, as a lefty, you step up to the plate and you see that shift. You're like, all right, here we go. Here we go. All right. Hitting into this group of four players. They're pitching me to pull this thing. Here we go. I can imagine what it's going to feel like now as you step up in the, the batter's box. And it's it's distributed properly, equally. Mm-hmm. You see the field and you go, okay, I have a chance. I'm not going to hit one hard and be robbed because they have this shift going on. And I feel like in all sports, obviously the mental part of the game is huge. But with this young man, Jared Kelnick, the mental part is the part that is either going to push him forward or keep him where he is or put him in a decline. So there's an advantage right there. He's fixed. No more shifts, Stace. He is fixed. He's ready to go. Not really. But um, – Good for him. Good for Tremel. Good for all the lefties in the league. They're gonna have they're gonna have a different experience when it comes um, to play the parents. So we'll see if it helps. Who knows though, man? I'm just so concerned for him because this is a big year. If he doesn't get it done this year, there's no reason to bring him back. But I'm rooting for him. He's one of the most fascinating players I've ever covered. I would say the most fascinating player I've ever covered. And some of you aren't gonna like hearing this is Russell Wilson. Would that be the case for you as well? Most like since being since being a broadcaster, one of the most fascinating yeah. players you've oh, ever yeah. covered. Russell easily. Russell just very he's a very unique person. He's not a bad guy. He's a very unique person. Mm-hmm. Most unique person I've ever covered. Uh, I would throw Jared Kelnick in there. I don't cover the Mariners as closely. I, I started out in football. You started out in football. Um, but as far as just players that you're now tracking and becoming more familiar with over the last couple of years, Jared Kelnick is in there. This exceptional talent whose path to the big leagues has not included the things that might uh, mold and shape so many other athletes, mm-hmm. right? You aren't playing in, um, you know, these high stakes games right. in high school or college. You're not in playoffs. You just jump right into the pros and and you've never really struggled. And then all of a sudden you're hit with this wave of of challenges and you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to be great because you've never not been great. Never. And now you, you're not doing anything but kind of messing up and missing. I mean, it, it, the I cannot stress how how strange and awful that must feel sometimes for him. But I hope that he figures it out because if he does, you have a Mariners core that includes who were two of the top prospects in baseball and then two of the, at one point, you know, top prospect arms in baseball. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking about a core that you were envying when you were looking at Houston. And you also have to factor this into what JK is going through. He's supposed to be the guy. 
Yeah. He's supposed to be on the cover of what Tops cards. He's supposed to be the guy at the home run derby. He's supposed to be the face of this Mariners ball club. But then you got a young man named Julio who just sprinted by him. J.K. was on a nice little stroll in the park and, and, and Julio just went by him. He's going to say the right things when he's talking to the media as far as supporting Julio. I love him. He's a good ball player because all that might be true. But that's a factor as well. You're seeing somebody in an accelerated process do exactly what you were meant to do since you were a kid, right? He was homeschooled. I don't think he went to high school. He played travel ball, um, went right to the pros. It was only ever showcasing, essentially. Yeah. And now you're put in a situation where you got to be a team player. You're failing. And there's someone who's around your age, even younger, doing things that you were meant to do. So there's a lot of things this young man is facing, but I'm hoping that the injury to Tremel will allow him to figure out who he is as a ball player and maybe play with less pressure and go out and just have fun and do what he's done most of his life. And let's be real, the best case scenario, both these guys look good. Mm-hmm. Tremel gets back and and those changes he made working out at driveline and Kent end up being really helpful for him. And Kelnick ends up being an above average uh, uh, outfielder and, and maybe just average at the plate. And that's enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. It must be a weird adjustment, too, to go from like, I thought I would be a superstar to I have to settle for being just enough and helping the team. Yeah. Do what the team needs you to do, not what you feel like you need to do. Ask for constant feedback, and I've heard he's had several hitting coaches. Like, just settle down and and follow a process, and whether it starts off hot or not, just commit to it and be who the Mariners need you to be, not who you think you need to be. And I think if you do that, you find a role on this team, you get comfortable, and eventually you will start to, um, to find some success, man. So... Come on, JK. Yeah. <laughs> From the 206. All the talk radio about Kelnick's head adds to the pressure. Hope he doesn't pay attention to all you radio hosts around the country. Now, I don't know how many radio hosts around the country are talking about Jared Kelnick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they're what talking about say, him in Tulsa. Yeah, or what I will Dallas. say look, it's our job to talk about this Mariners team, uh, of which Jared Kelnick could be an important part if he figures it out. It's Jared's job to get better. Those you're, are two different jobs. You're danged if you do, you're danged if you don't. Jared, then don't. I don't think Jared's worried about nah. what we're saying. I think Excellent. Jared's trying to get better, and we're not standing in Jared's way. What we're saying isn't standing in Jared's way. The voices that are affecting Jared are the ones from Jared. And we support Jared. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah. What we did we want, just say? We want him to have success. What but did I open the show with? One man's team. broken hand is another man's path to a starting job. There Guys, that's what I opened the show with. Uh, all right. Well, again, I the silver lining to all of this is thankfully for Taylor Trammell and for the Mariners, it is a not a long-term issue. And thankfully for Jared Kelnick, uh, he gets an opportunity to have, like you said, bump a little bit of security with this job. Can I say one thing before we get to rewrites? Yes, yeah. Happy birthday to my grandmother. Aww. Love is what we call her. She's out in L.A. She watches and listens every single day. Wow. Happy birthday. Grandma, birthday. I love you, boo. Love you. Happy birthday. All right, let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. <laughs> Headline number one, former Seahawks quarterback coach Dave Canales has been hired by the Buccaneers to be their new offensive coordinator. What's the real headline? As a wise man once said, hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your free agent quarterbacks. I think that's what he said, Bump. Yeah, he said that. That's he how said it that. went. Hide your kids, heard, hide your wife, hide your free agent quarterbacks. I, I vividly heard. remember that. He was wearing a red bandana mm-hmm. when he said it. That's right. Um, 
This is real because Canales, you're an offensive coordinator. You start at the quarterback position. Guess who's a free agent this year? Hey. Mr. Geno Smith. Guess who's also a free agent? Drew Locke. Mr. Drew Locke. Why not start your tenure first time as an offensive coordinator and go get somebody who you're familiar with, who knows your offense? Now, in four-down territory, I'm going to dive deeper into what I think this offense is going to look like with the Bucks, but I think it starts with the QB. You start off at home at Seattle with Geno and Drew, and then you start hollering at Mr. Derek Carr. And then you see what – hey, you even take a shot at Aaron Rodgers at this point, man. Yeah. You go and you find your quarterback, Canales, but stay away from Geno, please. Uh, that's coming up at 11.15, by the way. What's next, Curtis? Headline rewrite. Headline number two, Denver head coach Sean Payton could be hiring former Jets head coach – Rex Ryan as his defensive coordinator. What's the real headline? Between him and John Elway, there's a lot of teeth in that organization right now. <laughs> yeah, I recognize. Great dental work. Let me just say, I recognize I'm one to talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have above average teeth, but that's a lot. That's a lot. This is the epitome of the NFL. Your boy gets on. He hits up his boy. I know you've been doing TV for X amount of years. Don't trip. Hey, you know what? Back in Baltimore, Rex Ryan, 2005 through 2008, he was a D.C. He had the fifth, the first, the sixth, and the second ranked defense. When he was over there, head coach with the Jets. From 09 and 12, he had the first, the eighth, and the fifth ranked defense. We know this guy can coach some defense. This is what he does. But this is the NFL at its finest. Don't trip. Your boy gets on. He will hire you. Rex Ryan is uh, the recipient of that right there. It's uh, really interesting to see what's going to happen with the Broncos. I was looking back. So Brittany Mahomes, wife of Patrick Mahomes, posted uh, some receipts from the start of the season. Now, I'm still not buying into the narrative spun by Travis Kelsey and uh, and the rest of the Chiefs players about how everyone doubted them and no one believed. I know that the betting lines were on the Eagles, and I know uh, that people favored you know other teams in the AFC West, but everyone knew the Chiefs were a powerhouse. People only betted against them to be a contrarian, to, be, to have a hot take. That's the only reason. It's not because people didn't know they were good. That said, in some of the stills that Britney posted, it was so interesting, Bump, to see there was one of them where people were guessing it was a studio crew, um, you know, of like 10 votes, and people had to guess which AFC West team would be uh, the division winner. Vast majority chose the Broncos, and I forgot Mm -hmm. a little bit of the preseason hype that everyone had about that team. Yeah, lots of hype over there, and there should have been hype. I feel like the hype was warranted. On paper, it was amazing. It made complete sense over there. But you got to play the game. You got to line it up. You got to strap on the pads and get it cracking. That's for sure. So uh, it's speculation season. I love it. Look at people on the Mac and Jack's text line saying happy birthday to Grandma Love, by the way. (laughs) Grandma Love. Headline rewrite. Headline number three. The news broke at the very end of our show yesterday, but Ohio State canceling their 2024 Mm -hmm. and 2025 football series against UW. What's the real headline? The call is coming from inside the house. Now, I know that doesn't make sense on its face, so let me tell you what I mean. Ohio State probably doesn't want to make an extra West Coast trip if they already have scheduled a game against UCLA or USC in California. But importantly, this is what I want to focus on. UCLA and USC probably don't want to see Washington or any other Pac-12 school get national spotlight when they're still competing for West Coast recruits. It's the enemy within, Bump. The enemy within. 
Why are you still hating? It's like that, Kelly. You leaving. You getting 100 mil over there. Just go. Why are you worried about us over here in the West Coast, man? Let you dub get some shine. In Ohio State, y'all some busters for, for going through with that whole deal. You know how hard it is to set a schedule? UW's schedule in 2028 is already set. People look at this time frame and say, oh, 18, 19 months. They That's, should be no, fine. No, no, no. no in college no. football, these things you need are several set years. years in advance, and you're not going to be able to replace a high caliber team like Ohio State. This is going to hurt you, Dub. UCLA, USC. I'm from the area. Grew up watching y'all. Y'all some haters right yep. now. OSU. Goodness gracious. Be your own man. Stand on your own, too. For anyone who's uh, planned and paid for a wedding, it would be like if suddenly 50 guests the week before when you've already planned for uh, all of their amenities and the food and everything were like, oh, actually, you know what? We're not going to go. And all of a sudden you're like, but now I have 50 steaks. What am I supposed to do with this? Right, it's it's canceling so last states. minute that it's already yeah. And now, Part of like, the party favors. If you want to get a Power Five non-conference opponent that's going to be really competitive and like a big name where you can make your own, because that's the other thing that Washington's going to want to do. Mm-hmm. Playing Ohio State gives you a chance to beat Ohio State and better your own standing. Right. Well, now you got to find someone that can help you do that. That was the benefit of it. And so you know, now I can't wait to bring uh, Nigel Burton on. He's going to join us at eleven. Now you're going to have, uh, you know to wait for that opportunity until 2028 when you play uh, Michigan, I think. It, this is what I can't appreciate about Ohio State. Their alliance. They're staying true to to their guys, to what they think. I can appreciate it in that sense, but the inconvenience is crazy. The AD says, oh, we have nothing but the most respect for UW but in their program. Lies. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you did, you'd go through with this. Canceling this late, you either scared or you're being influenced. There's no respect there. No, they're being influenced. They're probably scared in terms of like a West Coast trip that would hurt their standing, but I think what it is is they're like, UW isn't worth our time. They, UW's not going to help us. Beating be UW at, wouldn't do anything. They might be, man. Well, I hope that on November 4th, when Washington travels to USC, that Penix throws for 500 yards. I'm, I've got it. It's now a vendetta. It's a full-on <laughs> vendetta. I never, like, loved the school, obviously, as a UW grad, but now it is full-on, like, I want nothing but their failure. And UCLA can get it, too. (laughs) (laughs) It's Bump and Stacey on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. The Seahawks quarterback coach was just hired as OC for another team, a team that happens to badly need a quarterback. Doesn't mean Seattle has new competition for Drew Locke and Geno Smith. That's next. Bump and Stacey. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Rost. Well, good news for one Seahawks offensive assistant, Dave Canales, who's been a wide receivers coach for Seattle under Pete Carroll, then a quarterbacks coach. Uh, is going on to another role, a promotion. He's offensive coordinator with Tampa Bay. Congratulations to Dave, who's been with this program for a really long time. But what's it mean for Seattle? And it does mean something for Seattle because don't forget that Dave Canales, now OC for Tampa Bay, was someone who worked very closely with both Drew Locke and Geno Smith, who, need I remind you guys, both unrestricted free agents. Bump, are we looking at new competition here for Seattle in terms of retaining both of these players? Of course you are. That's how the league works. We just saw Sean Payton hit up his boy Rex Ryan and say, forget TV, come come holla at me. Yeah. You and, and now, your veneers, get here to right? Denver. Beautiful teeth. Yeah. And now, now you're going to see the same thing with Canales. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he go and try to get a player that he understands? 
He knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. Mm -hmm. He knows his leadership capabilities. He understands that he helped him have the best year in his career as a pro bowler. And why wouldn't Gino think about it? Go down to Florida. The weather's nice. I believe Gino's from the south anyway. You could win the division. You don't have the 49ers and maybe the Rams standing in your way. It wouldn't be a bad situation. You might have more influence over there if you want that because you and Canales have a working relationship. Why wouldn't Canales go after Geno Smith? He should go after Geno Smith. He'd be dumb not to go after Geno Smith. And if that doesn't work out, even a Drew Locke. It's all about your quarterback. He was a quarterback coach. He was a wide. No, he was a uh, passing game coordinator as well. He's been a couple This is what he does. Man, Canales has been loyal, too. He's been with the Seahawks since, what, 2010 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, He's learned a lot. He's learned what to do. He's learned what not to do. He's had a offense where you were one of the best rushing attacks in the league. He's Mm -hmm. coached under an offense where you were the best passing attack in the league. This guy's ready for this moment. I'm happy for him, and he has to do his due diligence, and that is starting with Geno Smith and having those conversations come March 15th. The only thing uh, benefiting Seattle in this case, Tampa Bay's cap space. Now, they got to figure out the Tom Brady situation. Um, He's retiring, but I think that this is taking into account uh, maybe some dead money there. I'll double check it. It looks like it's accounting for something from a salary, which is confusing to me, but I don't know. Maybe there's dead money carrying over, even though he's a free agent. Um, so we're looking at uh, cap space right now. Seahawks, uh, top top 10 in cap space with 31 million. Obviously, this is all subject to change. Uh, starting with the Jets, you get into teams that are over the cap. They're going to have to make moves to get under it. And you go, oh! All the way down, number 32, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, $55 million over the cap right now. That will change, okay? It will change. They have more players right now uh, accounting for contracts than do some of the teams that are in the top 10, including Seattle, who only has 48 players uh, in contract for 2023 right now. Um, but it's not like they can come out here and throw quite as much money at Geno as could Seattle, as could uh, any one of these other teams. I don't know, the Texans. You don't think that they'll be. But like the Texans, the Giants, the Raiders, the Falcons, uh, the Bears, all of those teams have a ton of cap space. Not everyone needs a quarterback. I'm just listing the teams above Seattle here. Um, so that is something standing uh, in Tampa's way, at least. But it's just interesting. I feel like bump so much of our conversations about quarterbacks is as if like, you know, Hey, in Seattle, just say yes or no. Do you want them or not? Don't forget, Drew and Gino are choosing where to go, too. Right. You may not be their top choice. They got options. Canales might whisper in Gino's ear and say something that that excites him. Gino. That gets him to see a future in Florida. He might say something to Drew Locke to say, you know what, man? You get more opportunity over here. You want to be a backup your whole life? What you want to do over there in Seattle? This is the the game within the game. This is the offseason game. And that is a great point because people forget that players get to choose as free agents. And I don't see this happening, but say Gino takes less money to have more control, to have more influence over there. You got to cater to a man's ego as well. Everyone in the NFL has an ego. They would not be there if they did not have an ego. backup kicker on practice squad has an ego. Obviously. Robbie Gold has an ego. He's talking about Jalen Hurts. Make him play quarterback. (laughs) If you strap it up on Sundays and Saturdays, you have an ego. So that's how you get Gino to think about it. You tap into it. You feed into it. And who knows Gino better than Canales? Maybe Shane Waldron. I don't know. 
but not many. You got to play the game. You got to play the the off season game. So I see it happening. He's supposed to make it happen down there. He has weapons. He would have weapons. Mike Evans is over there. Mm-hmm. Godwin is over there. Mm-hmm. Evans has nine straight seasons with over a thousand yards. You got a couple running backs over there as well. And we'll see what they do defensively. Levante Davis a free agent as well. But at this point. I think Gino should put himself in a position where he feels he will be the most comfortable. Now, question, uh, is there one of the two? Gino's obviously the more ready-to-go starter. Do you think that Gino is more likely than Drew to be lured away? Or do you think that almost of the two, Drew might be more likely to be lured away? I would say Drew. Really? Yeah, I'd say Drew. I'd say Drew because he's a backup. I think Gino has established himself here in Seattle. We think we know what he can do. Um, he is comfortable in this office with Shane Walsh, and I would assume that Canales would take aspects of this office and take it over there to Tampa Bay as well. Maybe it's language, scheme, all that good stuff. But I look at Drew Locke. Drew's the one who's looking for that second chance. Gino, this is Gino's second chance here in Seattle, mm-hmm. and he made the most of it, and he's going to get paid for it. If there's anybody, Drew's licking his chops like, if I can go somewhere and compete for a starting job right now, because he's not competing for a starting job right now if Gino's still here. No. He's going to be the backup. He's going to hold the clipboard, and if something happens to Gino, he's in. Because he has an ego, because he's one of these alphas in the league, he's looking at Tampa Bay. Canales, man, you send that late-night text, you up. Drew Locke is responding quickly. Well, and I mean, for anyone, I know that quite a few of you are thinking about potential paths that you want to take in terms of quarterback for 2023 for the Seahawks. And you're saying, hey, I don't want to pay Gino. I think that that might be like a one year wonder, you know, in terms of his starting uh, year. I want Drew Locke and then I want to spend a bunch of money on defense. This story affects you. This story is one that you are watching mm-hmm. very closely. So if you're someone that's like, hey, I really wanted Drew Locke, and I know a lot of you are out there, I wanted to bring back Drew and Gino, just for the record. Uh, Gino is the starter, pay Gino, and then like just hang on to Drew because you never know. But if you're someone that's like, I want to roll with Drew, I think he was really special, I kind of liked what I saw in the preseason, hey, you're paying attention to what happens in Tampa Bay. You are watching to see if they make a bunch of cuts. You are watching to see if they start clearing up some cap space. You are that... Um Chinese balloon that we shot down the other day. Yeah, spying. You're spying. You're spying. You're monitoring. What's going on over there? <laughs> Give me something. I need I need some intel. You know what I'm saying? Be the balloon. All right? Because Tampa Bay, I mean, Tampa Bay is going to make a move, man. They're making cuts. Can I just say, uh, the Mac Jacks text line, I said Rex Ryan with his veneers. Uh, this guy said, why do y'all got to do buddy like that? He likes feet and maybe his wife likes nice white teeth. Tony in 509. <laughs> We're not kink shaming. No, not no. at all. Not at all. Looks like it old. I'm gonna have some pearly veneers too, man. Hey, I have I big get teeth old. now. You yeah, know, one of my front teeth, teeth is too. fake. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. No, when I was younger, I, I had my permanent teeth, and so I like I had like just gotten them. They're fresh. You got me staring at your teeth now. It's. I'll show you. It's. It's one of them. Is, is uh, like a retainer. My right wear, one. No, it it's like a fake. It's like a cap. Like most of the tooth is fake. And I, you know, those when you had hair ties and most. If more women listening are going to know, but especially in the 90s, they were hair ties and they had metal clips on them. And uh, I would I stretched one back to fling it at my sister and I let go of the wrong end because I'm an idiot. And the metal part came back full strength, hit my mouth. And all of a sudden I had peace. It's like gravel in my mouth. And I was like, what's going on? Broke my tooth. Broke it. You want to talk about karma? Let me tell you about karma. That's karma. I tried to do something mean for no reason because I'm a bully and I lost a whole tooth for well, it. It looks good. Never so, would have guessed it. Thank was you. Fake. But I'm just saying, here I am. I'm just telling Rex. I'm going to be making fun of his teeth a lot today. But I not only have big teeth, 
Maybe I'm jealous because some of mine are fake. (laughs) So, Rex, I wish you the best. You know what? I want you to be hired as defensive coordinator with the Broncos. That's a good unit to be working with. I want his. I want the best for him. And you know, he was entertaining on Amazing Race. So, (laughs) I'll say he'll be entertaining on the sidelines too. Yeah, he will. He's a personality man. You are listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We're not quite done with this conversation, but uh, we're going to get a little broader. Canales became the first of Pete. Carroll's offensive assistants to be hired in a higher role by another NFL team. But why have the Seahawks offenses been underrated over the last decade? That's next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Hey, a reminder for you guys, you can listen to us anytime and check back on the rest of the show if you miss it by subscribing to the Bump and Stacy podcast. That's wherever you get your pods, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe. You know the drill. Uh, the Seahawks uh, finally had an offensive coordinator hired by another team. And if that kind of surprises you. It surprised me too, in fact, until Curtis pointed it out that uh, Dave Canales, who has been bump, he's been a wide receivers coach, pass game coordinator, quarterback coach, a couple different roles mm-hmm. for Seattle, became the first of Pete Carroll's in Seattle offensive assistants to be hired in a promoted role with another NFL team. The first in 13 years. And I, my mind was blown. Sanjay Lyle, who's the wide receivers coach, uh, went in the same role with another team and then came back to Seattle. Uh, you've had Brennan Carroll, who uh, became uh, offensive coordinator, but with a college team um, with Arizona. So this is the first coach to go with another NFL team in a promoted role, which got me thinking, Bump, there have been good offenses in Seattle. I mean, they haven't been Kansas City. They haven't been, uh, you know, the the Ravens and Lamar Jackson's MVP season, you know, putting up, you know, just ungodly numbers. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm looking back and I'm thinking, you know, the Seahawks have had two 1,000-yard receivers twice in the last three years, in 2020 and 2022, becoming, by the way, in 2020, the first time since 95 that two receivers did that. They've been top 10 in points per game in 2022, 2020, 2019, 2018, 2015. They were just outside of that, 11th in points per game in 2017. They've not been an elite offense, but they've been consistently above average to good over the last decade. If you look at points per game, yes, they have been. Now, if you look at you separate passing and rushing, that's where the debate comes in. Yeah. But it's all one family, right? You look at in 2021, they were 20th overall, 2020, 17th, 19, they were 8th, 18, they were 18th, and 15th, and 12th. Passing in 2020, they were 13th. So it goes, let's go 21 to 16. You go 23, 16, 14th, uh, 20. 7th, 14th, 10th, rushing, 11th, 12th, 4th, 1, 23, 25th. So they've had more success rushing the football. I think that they've had success as a group, but it hasn't been sustained. Right? Mm-hmm. Remember that year when Russell opened up the season, four games, 400 yards, three or four passing touchdowns, but then something happens and they fall off for a little bit, and then they come back. Same thing with the run game. The run game will come out hot, boom, then they fall off a little bit, but then they come back. But there's one thing that you can say is that you point to those points per game, don't matter how you're getting them, if you're in the top 10 in points per game, that means you are in the game most of the mm-hmm. time. And how many times did Russell Wilson have the football towards the end of the fourth quarter with a chance to win it? That's why you play the game, to give yourself a chance to win the ball game at the end of the game. 
So I think you have to to understand and appreciate what the Seahawks have been able to do at times offensively. You have to isolate some things, right? You got to look at Russell Wilson performances. You got to look at Chris Carson running the football. You got to look at Tyler Lockett having his big games and DK having their big games. It's not by accident. It's by design. And I think because of the ups and downs, it's easy for people to look at this offense and say, ah, it, it hasn't been much. It, yeah. it won't be much. Yeah. But you look at how many points they're scoring per game. They're in this thing. So it has been slept on a little bit, but it hasn't. If it was slept on more than we thought they were, then Canales wouldn't be in Tampa Bay right now. I'm about to be offense coordinator. Exactly. I mean, I think the way I look at it, and this is this is my, my uh, admitted bias with this, is I've been critical of the defense, as have a lot of people. This is not unique to me. And I think that the national conversation uh, about any team, when you have to be, um, you know, uh, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, you're always maybe a year behind or two in analysis of any particular team. Like, Mm -hmm. my analysis of the Giants is going to be a year or two behind where they actually are because it's just my perception of it based on uh like a big narrative about the team and normally that uh that has to exist for a while and and uh sometimes it changes by the time people catch up so when people talk about seattle as a team they still kind of talk about it as this defensive team Mm -hmm. and i think it's because pete carroll is a defensive guy it's because the best version of this team was a defensive team but the best version of this team also had a 1500 yard rusher a really exciting young quarterback not only that but this team, its strength for several years now has been offense. Defense, you want to talk about inconsistency? The offense has been inconsistent. Defense have, has been even more so. Mm. So it's hard for me to see this team and say it's a defensive team when offense has consistently outperformed defense. No, nah, I ain't been a defensive team for quite a while Since now. Since probably 2015. You've leaned on your running backs. 2015 was a great offensive year, by the way. You've leaned on your running backs. You've leaned on your quarterback. You've leaned on your receivers. Tyler Lockett has been... Mm-hmm really the catalyst to this whole thing. If you exclude quarterback play, obviously yeah. you need good quarterback play. But Tyler Lockett has been the catalyst to this offense this whole time. And that's why when that's why losing Chris Carson was such a big blow because people realize the identity of this football team. They realize when you think of the when most people at least think of the Seattle Seahawks, you think of a good defense and you think of an offense that wants to run the football and will be stubborn at times run the football and then you'll take your shots. You haven't looked at this team in quite some time and said, dang, what a dominant defense. You looked at pieces and say, that's a good football player. Bobby Wagner's been a good football player his whole career here. K.J. Wright was a good football player. You had Shaq had a good year at corner. He goes and gets paid $14 million. Now, you've had bits and pieces on this defense, guys mm-hmm. who have shined, but collectively we haven't said this is a great defense in a long time. What we have said is that Russell Wilson's going to throw a pretty ball down the field. Yep. Chris Carson's going to rush 4,000 and finish his runs. Tyler Lockett is going to have big games and be in the back of the end zone. The highlight of this team for the past few years has been the offense. Collectively, you look at the numbers, they're going to be ranked 15 uh, to 20 when it comes to overall. But when you break it down, you look at points per game, you look at the years they've been a good rushing team, uh, you, you got to respect it. They're not an elite offense. No, We're not, not saying that. <clears throat> the difference between the Seahawks and the Chiefs, there's a big gap in yes, between there. Grand Canyon. But what has been the, the foundation of this team has been the offense the last few years. Yeah. Um, Well, congratulations to Dave Canales for moving on. And it leads us instead to a conversation uh, that will continue all offseason about where Seattle's strengths lie, uh, where they've lied in years past and whether they can continue to build on that. I think we've settled on like, look, the strength of the team overall has been offense, Mm -hmm. even though people 
think of Seattle as a team that wants to be a defensive team. And someone rightfully noted, like, hey, I don't think NFL analysts look at this team and think the defense is great. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. What I think is that they think it's a team that wants to be or is identifies as like a defensive team that's run heavy. Mm-hmm. And that may be what Pete Carroll likes to do, but their passing offense has been the strength more consistently than yep. not yep. for the last several seasons. Facts. Um, but it hasn't been great enough. How do they get it there and how do they improve the defense? Obviously, that's a conversation we're going to explore all off season long. Uh, first, though, guys, we're we're shifting gears. We are uh, going to get back to the Seahawks plenty. We'll get back to the Dave Canales story in four down territory. You're going to want to listen to that at 1115 before we get to it, though. Ohio State shocked Seattle yesterday when it canceled its 2024-2025 series against Washington. Why'd they do it? What's it mean for UW and the pack? Let's figure it out and get fired up with Nigel Burton, Pac-12 analyst. He joins us next.